Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The library of all of the show episodes, beginning from September 2019, can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk, and of course can be found on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiver's Guide to Caregiving the Basics. You'll be able to find information on the course once you click on the link for the free book offer on the Seniors Straight Talk host page. And you can also find information on the homepage of my website, www.phyllisaymanassociates.com by clicking on the link freeagingparentbook.com. Once you grab the free copy of Dignity and Respect, you'll find information on the Caregiver's Guide to Caregiving course and the valuable free bonuses that go along with it. My latest book chapter in WTF to OMG with a little LOL, Unpacking Life's Hidden Lessons, was released July 19th and became a number one Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. It features my story about personal responsibility and self-care that led me to the work I do today. And I'm so honored to be a featured co-author alongside now three-time Wall Street Journal bestselling author David Corbin and many others. The ebook is now available on Amazon, but stay tuned for the paperback, which will be available in the weeks ahead. My previous book chapter, released May 17th in the book Think Big, is also available on Amazon. And it's my story, my big vision about my projects aimed at older adults and the value they have in our lives and society. I'm honored to be included in this book alongside the iconic and legendary Brian Tracy, entrepreneur Bob Bodine, and many others. The book is published by Kyle Wilson, president of Jim Rohn International. I hope you'll grab a copy of these books on Amazon because the many stories included in both of them can inspire and motivate you in your business and positively impact your own personal and development and growth. September is Healthy Aging Month. As the ambassador for Conscious Aging Life Management, I will help you develop your personalized longevity plan so you can continue to age as healthfully and gracefully as you possibly can. Please email me at phyllis at phyllisaymanassociates.com for more information. The place to begin is within and the time to begin is now. Senior Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. 
which, by the way, the United Nations has declared this the decade of healthy aging. Senior Straight Talk and Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, who I met through a mutual friend just a few weeks ago. His life was changed after a bicycle accident some 11 years ago. As a result, he is a paraplegic. The heartfelt story of his journey is one not unfamiliar to many people, and I am proud that he's willing to share it with you today. As a result of the care experiences related to his accident, he and his wife created a way for people to find reputable caregivers. I'll leave it to him to explain how. So I'm happy to introduce to you today, Ron Gold. Thank you so much, Phyllis, for having me. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to be here today. Let me first say that I think as people live longer now, uh, many people have two, three different careers over the course of a lifetime. So I am uh, I, I am fitting with that, but unlike most people, it was it was not planned and it was not intentional. My life uh, was going pretty well eleven years ago. Uh, I had the job that I had always wanted to have out of school. I was working on Wall Street. I was a managing director. I ran an international equity sales desk for Barclays for Lehman before that. And the exciting thing about it was I was traveling around the world. My specialty was Asia. I got to go out to the region many times. I got to meet so many different people, clients, colleagues, uh, and and industry uh, professionals that I got to meet, and even government officials along the way. And uh, I found it all so very, very exciting. And I also, uh, I was always an avid athlete. I was always into sports. I was into fitness. And uh, I think particularly, it was a great way to kind of let off steam from my Wall Street career. And uh, I used to go bicycling or running or all kinds of different things with a group of friends uh, every uh, Saturday morning uh, with a group of friends from home. And on this particular Saturday, hmm. this particular Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, 11 years ago, I was riding with a group of friends. We rode up from my home in New Jersey up to Harriman State Park, and we were almost done with our 50-mile ride, just a few miles to go when all of a sudden an out of control SUV came barreling at me. Hmm. And that was really the proverbial life-changing event. Uh, Certainly. The last thing I can remember as she's heading towards me is keep your head up high so it doesn't bear the brunt of the impact. Oh, God. I'm riding in a pace line, right? And my eyes are just on my buddy's wheel, rear wheel in front of me. And uh, somehow the road had curved and she went straight. They said she she was drowsy and she fell asleep uh, on a Saturday afternoon. Hmm. And it was a sunny afternoon, I might add as well. Hmm. And you that know, was... I, I just want to say... Not only, I mean, obviously that came out of nowhere, right? And that's what happens to people, right? There's some life-changing event. It doesn't matter at what age you are. And it hits you out of nowhere. You were literally hit out of nowhere. 
absolutely hit out of nowhere. You know, I always thought I, I, I might get clipped by a car, but I never thought I would get hit head on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe uh, I, I would fall, uh, break something. Uh, but this was catastrophic. It, it was much, much worse. Uh, they said I went flying over her SUV and crashed into the ground. I don't remember any of that. Uh, I was immediately medevaced to the nearest trauma unit. And they didn't, the, the trauma surgeons were there ready for me, but they didn't expect me to survive. Hmm. And that's really the last thing for, for weeks. Uh, I woke weeks later. Uh, they had done an incredible job and saved my life several times, but my spine was crushed and there was nothing they could do about that. And I'm, I'm now a paraplegic. I mean, as most of the listeners know, um, I've worked in long-term care uh, for over 40 years. I've spent over 40,000 hours. So I certainly have worked with many people whether it's a diving accident or a car accident, who, who are paraplegics. And um, I usually um, usually see them at a point um, where you were actually uh, when you were on a mechanical ventilation. So I certainly, you know, I'm familiar with the course of your recovery. Yeah, it um, even... Even now, 11 years later, thinking back, uh, his chills, I, I, I can't, can't believe it, really. I, yeah, I, I went and, and the neurosurgeon said to me, you'll, you'll never walk again. And I, I, I couldn't process it. I had to see him two more times before it started to sink in. And I was in I was in the ICU for for two months, and then I was discharged and went to rehab. And, and in some ways, rehab was even more difficult because in the hospital, it was all about healing me. Right. And then uh, now I'm I'm in rehab, and it's not about healing me; it's about teaching me how to live my life as a paraplegic. And that was a really bitter pill to swallow. I I bet and. Uh, I think there's another part of that, if I can interject this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but there's a part of it where you have to heal yourself. I don't mean go through the rehab process and heal yourself, but heal yourself emotionally and psychologically from this life-changing event. Is that correct? That That is correct, uh, for, for sure. And that was not a quick process. I was in rehab for three months. I came home five months after my accident and I could barely move on my own. I, I had a long, long way to go, physically and emotionally, for sure. And even as I started uh, to get stronger physically, I had uh, physical therapy at home and I started getting back to doing ex- exercises that I could do. It was a it was a long, long slog, and I was a, a slug on the same chair every day. I I had in- incredible infections, so I was 
on on a pick line in my arm and a constant antibiotic drip. And uh, I was feeling really, really sorry for myself, for sure. And um, that makes sense, right? Um, That certainly makes sense. And um, as you're going through this healing process, I'm sure your family was also going through a healing process. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, I have three daughters. Uh, They were teens. My oldest, I think, was 20 or 21, and she was in college. She came home uh, to be with me for a period of time. And uh, but then she went back. She had a she had to continue with her life. And uh, finally, my wife said to me, you know, I was uh, I was really stuck in these why me's, right? Why me? Why me? And she said, why not you? Bad stuff just happens to people all the time. And uh, she said it with with all the much more tenderness and love than than maybe it sounds the way I just said it. But I needed it. I, I needed I needed to hear her say to me, get over yourself. Uh, this is a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but the girls and all of us are depending on you and, and you can't let us down. And it made me realize that, you know, my, my daughters didn't need me to kick the soccer ball, which of course I couldn't do anymore anyway. (laughs) And they didn't need me to teach them how to do arithmetic. Uh, but they did need me to teach them how to handle whatever life throws at you. That's uh that's a lot, right? Absolutely. Um, Look, I hope they don't go through anything anywhere remotely close to this, but stuff will happen. Stuff does happen. I have seen it, obviously, a gazillion times, right? And um, I mean, countless stories, which I'm not going to go into now, but um, and each one is as heartbreaking as the other, as is yours, but... Uh, you did come to the other side of it. And um, what you've created um, out of it is really quite phenomenal. And, you know, I really do want to talk about that as well. Um, but, um, you know, just getting back to the to the rehab a little bit, um, if you don't mind, um, because I'm sure there are listeners who either themselves or have loved ones that have had situations where they have to go through rehab. And because that is uh, the area that I come from, right, um, and know intimately well, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, if that's all right, like what that experience was like, because I am assuming, I could be wrong, because we never really discussed this, there are uh, two co- ways you could go um, in terms of rehab. Either you could go to a nursing home that has a short-term rehab unit, and most of them are now called skilled nursing facilities, or you could go to a rehab a hospital that specializes in rehab, like um, I'm in the um, the Northeast. It could be Burke. It could be um, Helen Hayes. It could be, you know, could be a variety of um of hospitals that specialize in that. So uh, what environment were you in? 
I was in the latter. It was uh, the Kessler Institute in West Orange. Oh, they're and great. I know the person who was who uh, I worked with her. I don't know when you were there, but she became director of their rehab department. And I worked with her when I was at, uh, we were both speech pathologists at the Rusk Institute. So I should have mentioned Kessler. I know it very well. Well, Kessler is in West Orange, New Jersey, right. which is coincidentally also where I grew up. And... Uh, so that made it very familiar and, 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 and maybe even more painful because here I am coming back to my hometown uh, in this kind of condition. And uh, that is certainly not what I wanted to do. I, uh, I, it was, it, it, I have to say Kessler was a, sort of two different things. On one hand, I was, I was, the, the full magnitude of what had happened to me was starting to sink in. And every night I would cry myself to sleep, hoping and praying everything was a bad dream and I'd wake up and everything was okay. And of course, uh, it was not a bad dream and it was real. And so that part of it was really tough. On the other hand, uh, the physical therapy and, um, at least starting that road to recovery uh, was a good thing. And um, the, the ability to, to work my body, and I, I actually asked for more physical therapy than they were giving. You know, it was a, they slowed it down on weekends, and I asked for more. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was doing whatever I could, probably more mentally than physically uh, in terms of making a difference at that point, but uh, w whatever I could do to, to, to move forward. So it's interesting that you said about slowing down on weekends, because if anybody has been in any kind of environment where they provide rehab, whether it is a, a uh, rehab hospital or a skilled nursing facility that has a rehab unit, um, um, therapy on weekends is, is, um, definitely on a different level, or it was. Uh, it's changed somewhat. Um, but I have another question, um, because um, as you said that you cried yourself to sleep and, and you know, hoped every day you'd wake up, which is, you know, I can't obviously relate to your experience, but I remember when my father died suddenly when I was 17, and when I'd wake up the next day, I'd say, no, this didn't really happen. So I, I, I understand that. It's probably more similar than you think. That feeling a little bit. But what I'm wondering about is um, because many people who go into these environments look around and say, well, I don't belong here with these people. And I wonder if you ever had any of those sentiments. Uh, no. Okay. I, I, I knew I belonged there. Uh, there was a, uh, <laughs> it's funny, uh, there was a, at one point there was a famous uh, former basketball player in the New York Knicks who was there and nobody knew who he was because he was back in when I was a kid uh, in their glory days. And I, I recognized him and uh, I started chatting him up and, and then, and he had the best room. And then when he was discharged, I got his room. So I was <laughs> You know, it's it's um, interesting that you say that because I have said many times in working in these environments, I have met many people, 
that are um, have a public persona, I'll say. Um, some people recognize them, some people don't, or they're relatives of, of people with a public persona, or they were, you know, had a persona many, many years prior. And so I always um, say to people that, and I recall a story, um, I've written about this. Actually, I think I wrote about it in my last book. And this is that um, when people, let's say an outsider goes into an environment like that or into a nursing home, all they do is see people either in wheelchairs or walkers or at different ages and whatever they think about them. And they're, especially if it's an older person, there's an ageist uh, attitude that goes along with that, right? And um, so I always tell this story that many, many years ago, and I don't remember what year it was, I was watching, I think it was the Oscars at the time. And uh, there was this person who was in a wheelchair and the audience is wild, standing up wildly applauding and, um, and the person starts to speak and they had a stroke and, and their speech is obviously slurred and was difficult to understand. And it was Kirk Douglas and um, after his stroke. And I use that as an example because I say if they saw him, because I'm sure he was in either a rehab, I'm sure he was in a rehab hospital at some point in time. I shouldn't say I'm sure, possibly, likely. Um, they would just see an older person sitting in a wheelchair. And so what I say is that every person in these environments are, you know, they, they all have a persona to somebody, whether some have a more public persona than others or, you know, whatever that is, um, but that everybody in these environments are important. And um, that's a, a lesson that I think, um, or a, a way of thinking that's missed on, on society in general, I'll say. What do you think about that? Being that you met somebody, right, who did have a public persona and other people didn't know who they, that person was, to them it was just another person in a rehab hospital. I think people who have a public persona usually, particularly if it's, um, if it's someone sort of Hollywood and cultural related, they, as they get older or if they have uh, come down with some kind of condition, they, they move away from the limelight and because they, they've created this whole persona about them being the superstar, beautiful, young, and uh, many times the, the changes that come with aging are not something they can accept and they don't want their, their public persona to accept that. So you don't you don't really hear about them or see them, and then when 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 occasionally someone does open up, you know, I'm thinking, uh, and you know, there are numerous examples for sure of what I'm talking about. I'm thinking about um, Linda Ronstadt, who was this beautiful young, gorgeous voice singer uh, for for many years, and and now she's got Parkinson's. And a few years ago, there was a documentary, a special about her. And dealing with Parkinson, and and it was so um, so striking and so such a a strong statement because we're not used to seeing these people open up uh, later in life when when different things happen, and I, I thought it was very powerful. And and of course, there's Michael J. Fox who right. fell Parkinson's is a much younger age. I I give him 
you know, all the credit in the world for opening up um, to the world and even continuing to act with uh, the fact that he has Parkinson's. And I also, um, you know, there was Glenn Campbell there. I mean, I always say to people, it, it just, it doesn't matter who you are and how much money you have, your background or uh, what persona you had. These are parts of the life process, right? Um, and I've also met, I'll never forget, I, I, there's this one woman, she always um, stands out in my mind. Um, it was early 2000s, and um, she was an original model for Coco Chanel. And uh, she had pictures in her room, and here was this woman. She was in her 90s at the time. Of course, she had a different you know, look at, at 90 in this wheelchair and kind of hunched over a little bit. And, um, but I've met many people and, you know, it's really, um, I think we just all have to think about the fact that whatever path people have taken, they matter. They matter to somebody, whether they've been a public person or not. Um, so that's part of, you know, my platform. So I had to, I hope you don't mind. I wanted to put that in, but we're going to take a short break on, on uh, senior straight talk and come back. Cause I really want to talk about what you're doing now, which really is so valuable for so many families who have a loved one at home who needs care. So we'll be right back on senior straight talk. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Ron Gold, and we just had a phenomenal um, first segment talking about uh, his accident and rehab and the emotional uh, response to that. And, you know, where you are now is, is far different, obviously, than where you were before your accident and where you were um, when the accident happened and the rehab after that. So talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about you know, how you came to do what you're doing now. And, you know, then we could talk about that a little bit. Sure. I, uh, you know, when we left off, I had talked about uh, five months in hospitals, came home trying to rebuild, recreate my life and all the, and, and some of the challenges that I had. And, but what, what we didn't talk about is sort of the physical challenges and uh, what I needed to do. I had, for a short period of time, uh, when I got back, I had nurses, caregivers, therapists, phlebotomists. I, I had all kinds of different medical professionals there, there to help me. And then 
really before I knew it, it was over. And this was a big shock to me. This was kind of one of my first big shocks. I thought that I had this really good private health insurance from from Barclays, and that was going to continue to give me whatever coverage I needed. I I mean, it seemed like a natural assumption (laughs) at the time. And you're right, surprise, like, whoa. And um, after a really, a, a pretty short period of time, after a matter of weeks, it was done. And I'm like, now what? Right. And the the uh, home care agency that Kessler had discharged me with said I could continue with private pay, and that was going to be very expensive with all kinds of restrictions, with minimums and other sorts of things going on. So, I, you know, I let me step back. When you have a spinal cord injury. Your, your, your problems, your comorbidities, your issues are way beyond not being able to stand and not being able to walk. And I'm not really going to go into to all those details, uh, but I was dealing with that. I was also dealing with a major injury to my leg, which was still giving me significant problems, was continued to be infected. Uh, a chronic wound developed that I have to this day. And and suffice to say, I could no longer live completely independently. Hmm. So there I am. Okay, I need help. I can't change and, and dress this wound every day on my own. So what am I going to do? Uh, I could continue with the home care agency, which would have been expensive with with a bunch of restrictions. And so, for example, this is where I was going before, a a caregiver from an agency is not allowed to touch my wound. Well, uh, just let me interject. That's if they are um, a a CNA or a certified nursing assistant, right? Or an HHA, they're not allowed to do it either. Right, or an HHA, which is a home health aide. I, for listeners who don't know those abbreviations, right? Only someone who's a nurse, either a licensed practical nurse or a registered nurse, can touch wounds. Right, but so you, you're already dealing with home care that's expensive. Now you want to say, I, got, I have to bring in a nurse, which that's is a whole different more expensive, to, to deal with something that really we don't need to get into all the sort of um, regulatory issues, but it's really not that complicated to deal with. And, and, and that opens a, a, a whole can of worms because there are very specific scope of practice regulations on what a caregiver working through an agency can and cannot do. Correct. And I, for one, one of, one of my big issues that I'm, um, I advocate for post post everything that I've gone through is that those scope of practice regulations really need to be changed because mm. you have caregivers who have worked for many years and are experienced and know what they're doing and yet they're not allowed to do that and mm. and and regulations say you have to go and get a nurse and spend all the more money which people can't do because care is already expensive 
when really these people could do it. But so interestingly enough, yes, um, <clears throat> and, and we could, that's a whole other conversation, but I agree with you that there could be certifications, just like there are certifications for many things, because uh, a home health aide or a certified nurse's aide really can't give you medication either. Correct. They could tell Eye you. drops, insulin right. shots for diabetics. Right. They could tell a, you, they could remind you to take your medication. Um, they can maybe sort the medication into a pill box for days. I'm not quite sure. I was actually with a friend um, um, in another state this past weekend, and her neighbor has a caregiver who said to me, I didn't listen, I was a different state. Who am I to? I to inject myself into that conversation and create a problem, but that the supervisor from that agency told the nurse's aide that she could give her medication. I just, um, I wasn't going there, but they're really not supposed to do that. Correct? Correct, absolutely. But the thing is, if you hire someone privately, not through a home care agency, the two of you can decide what to do. So that, uh, you know, you may, you can, you can hire your gardener to come and, and, and there you go. Right. Um, you two can decide. And uh, anyway, I, I, I've digressed. I can go into so many different issues. With well, you. you know, that could maybe be another conversation because um, that, that is very important, but, but just getting to the basics of, you know, what you're doing and, and the company and, and some of the issue, the questions that people should be asking. Right. That's chief amongst them, actually. Right. So, what can so this my, person do for me? Right. So then I started thinking, okay, a home care agency is expensive. They have these restrictions. It's not necessarily perfectly suited for my situation with my wound. Uh, and this was the time all these sort of gig economy companies were starting and Uber and Airbnb and, and, and all kinds of different ways for two sides to connect uh, online uh, in, in a completely different manner. And I figured, well, my wife and I were thinking about it, well, why can't we come up with a marketplace and connect families looking for care with caregivers? And we'll put all these caregivers on our network and we'll meet them and we'll verify their licenses and get personal references and shoot a video, put an online profile, even even take a fingerprint and do a, a comprehensive background check. Now somebody can go and hire that caregiver they want on their own, uh, but with the peace of mind that they've been given uh, the most comprehensive uh, background check and, and vetting you can get. So I um, like this model for a variety of reasons. One of which is um, how I, I want to say this delicately. My experience um, with the home care agencies that I know personally and the people who own them, and there are a few, I'm not saying this applies to everyone. I'm just saying the ones that I know um, that they're uh, not that much different than my experience with providers in the nursing home industry, many of them, who really are 
more concerned about the bottom line. It's just a reality. Um, I didn't say they shouldn't be concerned about the bottom line or it should be a business or it shouldn't be a business, but it seemed to me from my experience that that's foremost, their foremost concern. And the person that they're sending to someone's home and the quality of service that those, that person is providing isn't uppermost in their mind. I'm sorry to say. So, uh, however, uh, hiring a private caregiver can be an expensive proposition, no? Oh, care is expensive. Right. We like to say some, it, it can be the second largest purchase you ever make uh, a, after a home. And, and, and I, I, let me be clear, I'm not disparaging home care agencies. They have a role. I, I, I think that I, I just think that people need options. I mean, we're in a society that you have options in everything you do, and yet here I am, you can either use a home care agency or you can find someone blindly via word of mouth. Well, that doesn't sound like comprehensive enough. It's not the, we need more options. So we came up with another way to do it. You know, the, the other way works well for, for, for many people, but certainly not everyone. Right. And I think it's something that uh, you just said that's really critical, um, which is getting somebody by word of mouth, because that can work, but it also cannot work, um, depending on the situation, the personalities. Um, I have known personally of some situations where, um, you know, that person, maybe they had a few good experiences with that person, but that person's background um, over you know, was a little more shady and didn't come to light until later on. Um, so I think it's great that you have a company that I'll use the word vet that vets these people, right? Um, and I I think it's great you do background checks. And I, I'm assuming that they have to, you know, have licensure certification as a home health aide or a certified nurse. Actually student. not. I mean, oh, okay. Interesting. The vast, the vast majority do. Uh, right. And they're usually HHAs, some are CNAs, uh, but uh, it, it's not necessarily a requirement. Well, let's put it this way. Quite a few have been licensed and let it lapse, because if you work privately, you, you need to work for an agency to keep your licensure up to date. And many of the people who work uh, on our network prefer work privately. And, and the reason is, uh, is clear because right. you can earn a lot more money because you keep what you earn. So right. as an example, if, if, if working through an agency, you pay $30 an hour or more, just in rough numbers, and, and maybe if the caregiver is earning minimum wage, let's say half of that, now you're talking 15, if, if you're working privately and you pay the caregiver $22 or $23, now you're better off. They're much better off because now they're making 50% more. Right. Uh, so both sides are, and it's not that, uh, it, it's not that the agencies are milking people, but there's no. a lot of overhead costs embedded in the, in the regulatory system. They, 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 you know, you have an office, you have a nurse, you have oversight. Well, oh, nursing oversight's great, but if you don't need that, why pay for something you don't need? Everything we do in life 
we try not to pay for extra for things we don't need. If we need it, great. But that's the way I view it. Do you think that people um, feel more secure going through a home health care agency as opposed to hiring somebody privately? Do you think that that would be, you know, a, a, a reason that people would give it a second thought? Yes, uh, I, I think uh, a lot of people do. And uh, I am, you know, that's, that's perfectly understandable. Actually, the, the people who who find our model the best are people who've already used a home care agency, are familiar with how it works, understands the, understand the pros and the cons, and are comfortable going in a different direction. That's interesting. That's certainly very interesting. So do you, um, how do you, I don't want to use the word recruit, but how does how do you get your caregivers? How do they find you, or how do you find them? Well, initially we would advertise, and uh, we still do advertise uh, occasionally. But it, it's a lot of word of mouth because they all have networks of friends who they know from the industry, and these are other people who are looking for the private private jobs, private hire jobs. And uh, it's much it's a much better situation for them to get jobs this way than just just depend on word of mouth. This way they can come to us when a job comes up that's well suited for them. And, and to be clear, we're not choosing them um, that that we, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. They're on our network. We have a profile. We have a video. We have a description of what they're like. And then someone will come and say, uh, my mom lives in White Plains. She's got two cats. She needs someone to transfer her. And she needs someone who can drive. And then we'll send out, uh, we'll, we'll put that in our system. And we'll send out uh, several profiles that fit those filters and they can interview, they being the care recipient and family members, depending on, you know, a lot of times the adult children, particularly not to be sexist, but particularly the daughters and daughters-in-law, get involved in driving that process. And they can all weigh in. They can all look at the video. They can participate in the, in the interview if they want. And they can hire who, we, who they want. But we're there, we're there to help them. We're there to bring the two sides together in any way we can. And so once that family hires that person, does that end the relationship with your company? Or let's say if there's a problem with that person down the road, um, how does that work? No, it doesn't end the relationship. Um, Our value proposition is we are always there for backup, uh, emergency fill-in, replacement, for, for, for whatever reason. And, and, you know, nobody's working 365 days a year. So right. they need to be able to come and and have the peace of mind that there's always going to be uh, other people for them to get that that are, um, you know, that work for them. And, uh, you know, we also work closely uh, with uh, a payroll company, Care.com's um, HomePay, which is a, a payroll company specializing in d- domestic employment. 
and uh, we have a, a close relationship, and and we can tee that up for them very nicely. That's terrific. And so, I mean, what would you say? Uh, so you cover uh, New York. Do you cover New Jersey as well? I say yeah. New York because you mentioned White Plains, which is in New York. It's not far from me. Uh, is that your primary area or? Primary is New York, but also New Jersey. Oh, okay. And how long would you say once you, let's say, bring on board a caregiver in your network, how long would you say they stay with you, with your company? I would say that they stay for quite a long time. But that doesn't mean they're working exclusively through our network. I mean, there's no obligation on their part. Let's say they have a job and for whatever reason it ends, uh, maybe the person moves to a, an assisted living or they, or they get better or they pass away, whatever it is, uh, they can, their next job can be outside of lean on wing entirely and they can do that for a period of time. And at some point they can come back uh, or they may want additional work in, in addition to what they're already doing. It, it's fluid, I, I, is the way I would put it. And I was going to ask you that. If a person has a regular job in an environment where, let's say, they feel secure, they've been there for many years and they have benefits, uh, for argument's sake, and they want to do this to supplement uh, their regular job, they could do that as well, correct? 100%. So, I mean, that just sounds to me like a, a great arrangement. And then the payment is between the family that hires this person and that person directly. Correct. And then they would just, the whoever reaches out to you, that family or person, uh, they um, pay your company a fee. Is that how this goes? Right. We have an ongoing uh, subscription. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, one other thing I would mention, uh, uh, a, a couple new wrinkles that uh, we have. One is we realized that uh, in our, our value proposition, when we go to a discharge planner in a hospital or in a skilled nursing facility, and we, we want to be more than just a home care company. So we've partnered with uh, the local franchisee for Care Patrol. Care Patrol is a company, uh, it's a national company that helps people find assisted living uh, uh, communities for them. Think of it sort of like a uh, real estate broker that specializes in assisted livings. Right. And what we've now done is we partner with them. So if somebody comes to... Uh, we go to that social worker in the hospital or in the skilled nursing and say, or, or anywhere, and we say, look, we're here for home care if you want to come home. But if you want to, if, if you want to leave that nursing home and you're thinking maybe, maybe moving into a community is a better fit for you, you, you really appreciate the social, socialization you can get from that, um, then, then, our, um, then our other hat, so our, our care patrol hat can help you. And we've hired a marketing person uh, who uh, works for both companies. And she can go in and, and meet with people and say, I'm here to help you whatever you need. Now, that's cool. That's, that's very, very cool. So um, 
Before we go, uh, how would people get in touch with you and your company and and, uh, find out more about it? Is there a website or a phone number? I realize we didn't say the name of the company, did we? Right. The The name of the company is Lean On We. Right. Uh, Like Lean On Me, but with a a W. And and the thinking is uh, when you need help, everybody needs a team to lean on. And... uh, and I always love that song, uh, Lean On Me. So so do I, actually. It's one of my favorites. So it's leanonwe.com. Is that it? Yes, it's leanonwe.com. Uh, you can just go to the website uh, or you can, uh, you can uh, call us, 844-532-6669. Okay. Repeat that number again. Sure. 844-532-6669. Leanonwe.com. Leanonwe. I love that. Uh, That's terrific. Listen, Ron, this has been so, I I am honored uh, to have this conversation with you. And as I said during the break, the fact that you're so open and vulnerable about, you know, what your experience was, what happened to you, um, you know, I'm sure to this day, it's, it's, you know, it's part of you. So it's emotional. And um, I really appreciate your willing to share that. It was really very special, this conversation. So even though we had a conversation before, uh, this one was different because you, we, we talked more about, um, you know, that aspect of it uh, that we didn't talk about before. And thank you for being willing to share that with the listeners. So this Pleasure is- with mine, Phyllis. I really enjoyed that. Thanks. I'm glad. This is Phyllis Amon signing off for today. Please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms. 